You are listening to the Lanch J Radio Network. Groups and then hip hop, think it is with planets. Uh, this is Isaac Palmer. I'm here with Lance J, uh, the health cast, and we are talking about health care and, and really. Black are are you slicker this year? I am I'm slicker every year. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. Play, play diggable all day long. All day. Uh, I've got a special guest. Uh, her name is Lisa. We, we're going to stay first name. Uh, and we're going to talk about. Um, healthcare. She is a physical therapist. And uh, in our last conversation, we had a guest call in that talked about surgery. This is Bo. He talked about surgery, and physical therapy. And I thought I would br- start bringing in some professionals to talk about the importance of some of these services that are provided. Because I know me as a man, uh, I have always undervalued uh, uh, the value of, of physical therapy. It's, it's always been, well, get the surgery. Right. You know, that, that's the, that's the <laughs> meat. And then, you know, everything will be okay. Uh, but Lisa, tell us, tell us about your profession and why is it so important uh, uh, to, to have physical therapy and, and, and speak from the context of your audience are, are a bunch of black men that are on their hustle, on their grind. Right. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly they have mm-hmm. been benched uh, and they're trying to get back in the game. So, so talk on that. Absolutely. I mean, the surgery part is important. But after the surgery, you have to do the work. And so that's what a lot of people don't realize. They think, I'll just get the surgery and now I'm all fixed and it's all all good now. But now it's in your hands and physical therapy kind of guides you through the next step, through the level of healing that you want to get to so that you accomplish your goals. Get back to as close as possible. You know, we always say, I want to get back to normal. Well, you know, sometimes that's not always possible, but, you know, you're on the go, you're, you're um, grinding, as you said, the black man does, and they have to remember that the physical therapy part of it is a part of the healing. You can't just stop with surgery. We're going to provide those exercises. We're going to provide those um, limitations that sometimes um, is difficult for people to understand why they need to be limited for a certain period of time and then kind of guide you through, okay, now you can add this and now the next level. And so that's what physical therapy does. And what I've, what I've, I've said to a lot of people is that the surgeon knows exactly about that cut that he made and repaired, but your physical therapist knows how all your muscles work together, all your bones work together, the movement mm-hmm. of the body, uh, and just just get that leg moving in the right direction, uh, literally. <laughs> yeah, uh, going, yeah, and just forward. like you said, not to um, overstrain or stretch things because we know what the limits are. And sometimes maybe you're feeling good and you feel like, oh, I can just get back in and do this and that. But the physical therapist will guide you through that. Mm. And then sometimes people are kind of, they're scared. Well, I can't do anything uh, because I don't want to mess up anything. So I better not. And the, again, 
the physical therapist is going to guide you through, no, you need to walk, you need to, but maybe not walk five miles, uh, you know, just kind of guide you through the process. And I did that even in school, as you mentioned, the surgeon knows those cuts and knows, you know, what they've done. And I observed multiple surgeries while I was in school um, because the, you know, it helped me understand what the patient is going through when they get, by the time they get to me and why they're saying I hurt or no, or I don't want to put, you know, that was just um, critical for me. And I think it really helped with my practice. I want to, I want to jump in and, and ask a question because you, you mentioned to start off, I have, I have Lyme disease and, and, and um, part of my therapy. So I was in a situation where I really could not walk more than just basic being able to toilet myself. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I couldn't walk to the mailbox to, to get, mm-hmm. to get my mail. Um, as I started going through th- physical therapy, they're very honest with me that I was going to make a recovery, but it was very unlikely that I was going to be able to compete in sports and things at the level that I had before. And I had mm-hmm. to come to that conclusion that I was at a new normal. Um, and I had to learn that, hey, I might not be able to play basketball because some of the damage that was done um, to, you know, with the neuropathy that a lot of people that Lyme have mm-hmm. um, with the with the nerve damage. But I was able to find a new normal and really get into walking and still getting into athletic materials and things, but just not the same as before. I, I think that that's such an important discussion, Isaac, because the new normal for you after a stroke may mm-hmm. not be the same, yeah. but you still mm-hmm. have to find something that you can do that's athletic, that circulates the blood, that helps to stimulate health. So I couldn't play basketball and I couldn't play football, flag football and run up and down the field. It was just not healthy for me to do that. But I became an avid walker. Um, I was able mm-hmm. to jog. So I, I competed in a 5K. I did things that I had never done before to, to continue to have. I could be on the Peloton for an hour um, mm-hmm. and just getting to know my body as it is yeah. Yeah. and manage that was able to help me to get back to a pretty good level of health. Although I had to give up basketball, you know, running and pivoting right. and running up and down the court mm-hmm. just wasn't going to be safe for my body unless I wanted to tear my Achilles or have other subsequent injuries. What are some of the the things that PTs do to really communicate with patients that, that, Hey, the new normal for them could be different, but there are ways you, you could take up golf. You can take up swimming. There are other ways mm-hmm. to, to, to still be physical and not fall off the cliff and just become a couch potato, but you may not be able to, to pole vault. <laughs> you know, you may not be able to, to lift <laughs> right. 300 pounds or five or squat 400 pounds anymore. And I'm, I'm very curious about that. It is having those honest conversations as you, as you mentioned, and talking, it's a lot of, it's more than just the activity of physical therapy, but it is the emotional and the, the mental part of what we do too. We're, we're counseling. We are um, letting you know there are things that you can do, but we have to figure out what that is for you. And so we'll start off with this. Um, and, you know, um, it's a matter of trying different activities. We do a lot of simulation sometimes um, within the clinic and, you know, have you ever thought about golfing or, um, you know, and just having them try different activities Mm -hmm. and then they find something new that they do enjoy that's maybe low impact, not as strenuous, but it still accomplishes those goals of physical activity, as you mentioned, blood flow and just, um, you know, that mind, body and spirit. It's having those difficult conversations, but listening 
and, and listening yeah. to the patient and, and just understanding where they're, fear, you know, where they're coming from and then trying to tailor something um, to this new normal for them. What is the biggest mistake that we as men make in the seeking and, uh, of healthcare and the use of healthcare? I think it has changed or I've seen it changed with the generations. Um, my father um, was a little more um, conservative, didn't talk about some things, um, but then he was a little more open than maybe some other African-American fathers, um, you know, and then you get to my brothers, depending on their age, my two oldest brothers are, are in their 60s. So they are keeping things a little more close to the, you know, they don't share certain things. My younger brother, who's closer to my age, is a little more open. And then you get to my son um, and my husband that are very open mm. and will go to the doctor and will talk to me about, but I give them, I think I've made that space for them to know that it's okay and it doesn't mean you're any less than, it doesn't, you know, any of those things that um, maybe because I am a medical professional, I talk about things openly. I don't, you know, um, sugarcoat things. And so they have no problem going to the doctor or saying, this is bothering me, even if it's um, maybe personal, you know, for a man. Um, they don't have any issues with that. And my brothers, if I ask direct questions, how is your health? Have you had your prostate check? Have you this and that? They mm. will share and they'll talk to me, but just but sharing, you know, oh no, <laughs> but they, but I'm that sister. I'm that woman in their life that is going to push those conversations. Mm. And fortunately, you know, I've mentioned before, I had a brother who was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh my. Okay. I had another brother diagnosed with diabetes. Mm. Um, my younger brother, you know, dealing with some cardiac issues. And because we're having these conversations, these things came out and it's like, these are things you need to check. And so now they're all fine with going to the doctor. Especially There's prostate no cancer, because that doesn't just come out of nowhere. Like you, you, you're having, Correct. you're having issues if, if you're getting into a, a mid or late stage prostate cancer. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So having those conversations and have, did you... Start noticing you were having, you know, blood in your urine. Were right. you having um, issues? You know, just asking those questions that people don't want to talk about, but just giving them that free space to know this is safe to talk to me about this. For one, I'm your family. I love you. Um, and I also have medical background, so you can talk about it. It's okay. Now, it's funny. It's funny, Isaac. You know, a lot of the executives that come in here to do the health cast, uh, they talk about their private lives and how over time they have accountability partners yeah. that, that, you know, so people mm -hmm. that would not be comfortable saying, Hey, you know, I do have, I am a pre-diabetic. If you see me drinking a Coke, you should probably say something or, mm. Hey, I do have <laughs> high blood pressure. So if we're out mm. and I get the, the big steak, you should probably say something. People are, are more open and, and honest with those conversations, especially in a post COVID society, because we've seen so much death and loss. If you, if yeah. you, if you don't know that you have something going on cause you haven't been to the doctor and you got COVID, those were the type of people that had really bad outcomes with COVID. So I think that everybody is just a little bit more up in arms about, um, you know, managing health and, and, you know, talking to your partner, your spouse, your kids, all of those things. And, and really knowing, you know, I talk with my family 
and say that, hey, here, here's my medical history. I need to know your mm-hmm. medical history. If something goes wrong, any of us end up in the hospital with COVID, we need to know what's, what's going on. We yeah. need to have an advanced That's directive. Right. We, need, we need to know what the yeah. wishes are because mm-hmm. um, if you're guessing that, it's, it's going to be bad and, and increase the, the stress mm-hmm. factor. And we, we want to break yeah. it down to, to something that's very simple. Just open your mouth and say what's wrong. Mm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I have been, that's something I have had to start practicing more and more often with my accountability partner, my wife, also a physical therapist. I've been having headaches lately and I've just been saying, hey, mm. headaches are bad today. Mm. I don't know where that conversation is going to go. Mm. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, just having a second set of ears right. that hears that and can react and give some so advice and give some counsel. Flag, right? Yeah, don't don't yes. don't think it's just gonna go away on its own. Right. Right. And yeah. I think you're right. Both of you are saying everyone's on a high alert with health right now. Um and I think, you know, prior to COVID, maybe some, but now everyone is really um becoming more aware, which is a yeah. good thing. So well, look, we are we're out of time. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Your your perspective, your your clinical uh, acumen. This has been very good to the conversation. Thank you. Live from the Paragon Seven Studios, you are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon Seven, Seven Studios. Did you know that African-Americans have the lowest vaccination rates, but have experienced the largest decrease in life expectancy during the COVID-19 pandemic? Our HealthCast series brings in the best and brightest minds in the industry to focus on facts, not fear or political theater. Avoid shaming and misinformation. Research the data. Talk to your primary care physician about risk factors. Ultimately, it's your body and your decision. This is Lance J. Wishing you a happy and a healthy. What's the problem, pal? You, Moss. You're such a hero. You're so rich. How come you're coming down here and waste your time with such a bunch of bums? You see this watch? You see this watch? Yeah. That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much you make? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.